This morning for our epistle lesson, I am going to actually be reading from chapter 8. So if you're looking in your pew Bible, you may want to just turn a page um, back. So I'll actually read from 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 15. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means, and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus, that as he has already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, and though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may, for, may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance, as it is written, the one who had much did not have too much. And the one who had little did not have too little. This is the word of God, for we're the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, gather all of my insufficiencies and place them in your hand. That you alone may be seen and glorified. Amen. The other night, my daughter was playing a game with me, and it's where she puts her hands behind her back, and she smiles from ear to ear and says, I have a present for you. <laughs> I hold out my hands, and she places an imaginary present in them. Oh, thank you, right? I exclaim. And of course, she says, well, open it, right? Open it. Open your imaginary present. So... I used my best miming skills, um, took, took some acting classes back in the day to open this imaginary gift and say thank you again. Look, the look of surprise on my face. How did you know? I absolutely love it. Now, most of the time, she then tells me what it is, right? Because how would I know otherwise? Um, it's a toy, of course, that she's gotten me, and I thank her again. And the game repeats back and forth around our entire family. You know, I'm not sure what it is, but seeing someone enjoy a gift given is one of the greatest privileges that we have. 
Of course, I love to see my child's face light up when I give her a gift, and even something ordinary I might give her, because sometimes her surprise and her joy over the simple things, it makes me feel really good. But you know, I think I might like it even more when she is the gift giver. I love when she brings me those drawings she made just to see my reaction, and I love that she gets so so excited about something that she spoils the surprise. I love when she has that look of anticipation that something wonderful is happening. She knows from a very young age that gifts are good things. You know, today we're talking a little bit about gifts and about giving. And over the years, I've developed sort of my personal view on giving that I think is slightly different than the way that most people see gift giving. See, when I look around in our kind of gift giving culture, I see a lot of obligation. (laughs) I see people giving out of guilt or a sense of duty. Sometimes we give to others because we fear the backlash or the hurt that uh, the hurt feelings that it might cause if we forget someone's birthday. Sometimes we give in order to receive accolades, right? Maybe we give for that personal esteem from another, or maybe so that um, the person will like us, right? You know, I think the best gifts are given without strings attached. To give a gift without strings attached does take practice. It's easy to get our feelings of worth attached to objects that, that we're giving or receiving, thinking that those symbols are our worth. It's easy to give a gift and expect something in return. But giving freely is very rewarding. And I want to suggest that giving freely is in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the Bible talks a lot about money and giving in the Bible. In today's letter, Paul is taking a theological view of giving when he suggests that the church at Corinth take up a collection for Christians in Jerusalem. He first lifts up the church of Macedonia as those who gave even while they themselves were facing persecution and poverty. It's not surprising that early Christians relied on sharing wealth among among their communities in order to succeed and support one another. Christians lived under great persecution from the Roman Empire, which included economic boycotts of shop owners and traders. Even under these oppressive circumstances, the Macedonians were inspired to give to the collection beyond what was expected. Paul connects the response of the Macedonians to the grace of God who provides abundantly all that we need. Paul carefully crafts his words so that the Corinthians understand he's not giving them an order or a mandate to give to this collection, but he is celebrating the generosity among other Christian communities. Of course, Paul is hoping that this story will inspire and encourage the Corinthians to give. The giving that Paul describes in this passage points back again and again to God and to God's grace, which is that theological grounding for Paul's understanding of monetary gifts. In verse 9, he says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, he became poor for our sakes so that you could become rich through his poverty. God's grace was an outpouring of love, and Jesus comes to earth and reverses our future. 
One of my favorite scriptures is that Philippians 2 passage that describes how Christ empties himself, taking on the form of a servant for our sake. Jesus leaves his throne, his place of high distinction, to give us that ultimate gift of eternal life and life in the kingdom. Jesus takes on flesh and ends death. And as a result, we are given the gift of life. We are made rich. Our giving to one another is, of course, never on par with Jesus' gift to us. And it can't be. But this, but, but this is when I like to remember that God's math doesn't always make sense. What we consider to be fair by our standards is shown over and over again to be different from the way God sees things. The other day, I heard this interview with actress Niecy Nash, and in it, she credited her faith for leading her to share what she has with others. In particular, she talked about how going to church influenced her prayer life. In the depths of her prayers, she says that she became available to God. And within that availability, she found that every set that she got a job on, every place she ended up working, she helped other people find jobs. She couldn't step onto a set without somehow connecting someone to a new place for work. This is pretty amazing in the ever-fickle Hollywood halls. She commented, when I stand flat-footed in a blessing that is customized for me, my first question is, how can I be used? I really want to serve in the gift. I really like the way she phrased that. I really want to serve in the gift. I believe God's equations always end with grace. What Nisi Nash touched on and indicated was that this sense of being given a gift, being given a blessing, feeling grateful, then listening to God in prayer becomes, uh, makes us available to be used by God. And then we seek to serve God in the gift. Her words are a reminder that Jesus comes into the world not to be served, but to serve others. And it begs the question... How are we utilizing our own gifts, our own blessings? Today, we're also using the word sacrificial in regards to our giving. When we think about our giving as sacrificial, it doesn't mean that we are giving God something we would prefer to keep for ourselves. What it means is that when we give a gift, we know that in God's hands, it's worth so much more. There are plenty of things we have that we can keep to ourselves, but what we find is that when it is shared, it means more to us and more to God's kingdom. Paul wanted the Corinthians to give so that they could experience the blessing of being the giver. He wanted them to know what it felt like to give to see the kingdom of God grow. Paul was adamant that he didn't want to give, he didn't want them to give because they felt guilty but because they were enacting the grace of Jesus Christ. And just a reminder, that grace of Jesus is free, right? It's that free gift. In the same way, our giving is most beneficial when it comes from a place of grace, 
Not so that we can get something back, not so that we can receive honor and glory for ourselves, but so God may be glorified in Jesus Christ. Sometimes being a sacrificial giver does involve giving up something you can keep for yourself in order to bless and fortify the life of another. Sacrificial giving sometimes means that we say no to what we want so that we can be attuned to what God wants for us. And none of these practices are meant to be punitive or negative. When our focus is on God's will and on God, our concerns are answered by God's immense grace. What we find is that we have what we need and we are able to place our trust in the God who takes care of us. Maybe God is asking you to give sacrificially to the church, to another person, to an organization that serves the poor. God may be inviting you to respond in enthusiasm, giving up something for yourself to spread the wealth of God's goodness a little bit further. In God's hands, your gifts are worth more, and with a willing heart, your sacrifice is a blessing in disguise. Amen.